1: Talk is about
2: to begin. Hey, hey, hey! Come on in.
1: Welcome back to Buckeye Talk. It's another Market Down Monday. I'm Nathan Baird from Cleveland.com, along with Doug Maurice and Stephen Means, and we are talking All-Americans. Which Ohio State football players will be named All-Americans, first-team All-Americans for the 2021 football season? And we didn't bring this up, I don't think, when we did our uh, Untouchables podcast a a couple months ago about the the great traditions in Ohio State history or things that we, you know, Ohio State can't do without and traditions was one of those things. I don't think anybody brought up Buckeye Grove, but I think that's one of the things that if you're, as you become more familiar with Ohio State, as soon as I got here, it wasn't something I was that familiar with. And the first time I heard about it, I'm like, man, that is a great tradition. And I think it's one of those things where they, you get to have like a kind of a living connection to the history of a program in real time.
2: Yeah. I don't know if anyone picked it. I'm pretty sure we talked about it, but it's, it's one of the best things. Getting a tree is a big deal. And that's the definition. That's what matters. And it's however Ohio state decides to do it. Whatever team, whatever team gets you a tree. If a living thing has a plaque with your name on it, that, should be here long after you're gone. That's the deal. So Ohio State has, I think is reasonably pretty flexible with I mean there's so many teams now, right? That, that you know, if we had a Buckeye Talk All American team, I'm not sure that would get you in the grove. It's like, ah hey, well, you know, nobody else made Garrett Wilson a first team All-American, but the Buckeye Talk did, so give the man a treat. I'm not sure it's quite there. But uh, Jerry Emig, I think, is the guy who, who really sort of determines, like, is this a legit team or not? And, you know, there's stuff that's like, are you a consensus All-American? Are you a unanimous All-American? There are certain teams that are used for that. I think the teams used to get you in the Grove expand beyond that. Um, but that's the deal. Like, whatever the dividing line is, like, oh, what do you mean by this? It's, it's get a tree. And that, I agree, is a very cool thing.
1: For people who aren't familiar, the the ones that Doug was just referencing, the ones that are counted as far as uh, consensus unanimous All-American, it's the American Football Coaches Association, the AP, the Sporting News, the Walter Camp Football Foundation, and the Football Writers Association of America. We didn't talk about this beforehand. As we're marking this down, are we going to be picking from anybody that makes any All-American team? Tree. Or are we fo- focusing tree. on Tree. Sorry. tree. It's,
2: tree. it's okay. what I just said. It's the tree.
1: Definitely I don't true.
2: care about it's a tree. Do you get a tree? So, yeah. So, but like, I mean, I think there's, I mean, I'm trying to think of one that's not in there, right? That's not in that whatever consensus list. And frankly, the consensus list is archaic. There are groups that are included there that are not as important as some of the other lists. Like, I like think, ESPN
1: does one every year. CBS yeah, Sports I'm, does one every year. Pro football think, Focus does one.
2: I think they get, that gets you a tree. I, I do. I think like, because I, I, I think, I think Ohio State is lean's pro tree instead of anti tree. And I love, that. love the environment. Yeah, they're just – it's just about carbon dioxide, right? <laughs> right. I mean, they're just like trying to – it's like save the rainforest. More Ohio State All-Americans. Save the planet. Buckeye Grove. Um, so I think that's – and I think that's legitimate because, you know, listen, they're not – there's not bad players making All-American teams, right? I mean, every now and then it can be like, really? That guy's like, well, he's a good player. So, like, let's get, let's get the good players to have a treat. So I, I agree with the way Ohio State does it, but, yeah, that's the deal.
1: Yeah, it's hard to be a fluke first-team All-American on any list, really. Uh, I was looking back through the history, and it's one of those things where you wonder at a program like Ohio State. I, I think Buckeye Grove helps the fan base maybe not take this for granted the way they could because it is just such a constant here. There were none in 1989 or 90. I was going by Ohio State's own list, and I think this was maybe only going by whatever at the time would get you a tree at Buckeye Grove, none in 1989 or 90. And then every year since then, they've had at least one, except for 2011. And then in 2009 and 2018, those are the only years since 2000 where they've only had one all american So usually at Ohio State, at the end of the season, there are multiple All-Americans. Steven, should that be the baseline expectation for this fan base that every year you're going to have multiple All-Americans?
0: Yeah, historically, as you just pointed out, but then also with the way they're recruiting going forward, yeah, there should be at least one or two guys. Maybe the maybe the expectation is you have at least one guy on both sides of the ball who's an All-American. That's a fair way to do it. They've had that the past couple of years here. I've, there's been years where it's only been one guy, but going forward, you should think, okay, maybe our quarterback or our wide receiver, our running back, or our offensive line, and then down the list, one guy each side of the ball should be an All-American year.
1: I think the other thing that maybe helps people not take it for granted is to be reminded occasionally how hard it is to be an All-American. Uh, I was looking through the list, again, of players who were not consensus All-Americans. And actually, I think in a lot of cases, these guys didn't make teams at all. Justin Fields was not an All-American. Like, you, you to be a quarterback All-American, you have to be the one guy, usually. I mean, you can make lower teams. But first-team All-American, obviously, many years, there's one guy who can maybe dominate that award. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott. Marshawn Lattimore, Cameron Hayward, obviously someone like Michael Thomas, whose career blossomed after he got to the NFL in a different way than it did in college. It's the All-American list is uh, it can be a fickle thing sometimes. And I think reminding people occasionally how hard it is to make that is probably a good thing. Uh, But at the same time, I thought 2020 changed the conversation a little bit here. Uh, Do you guys look at 2020 and the way All-Americans work out for Ohio State? It was, you know, Sean Wade was a consensus All-American after a year where he didn't play all that great. I don't think he played at an All-American level. White Davis was a unanimous All-American, and I think you could make some similar criticisms about him. Uh, do you guys, that change how you value the concept of being an All-American, or do you think COVID factored into that enough that you can sort of throw
2: that out? All no, I just think,
0: yeah, COVID happened, so they just went with familiar faces they know who just played at least decent enough.
2: Or not even that. It's all COVID. It was all yeah. preseason hype. People didn't know what they were doing. I'm not blaming yeah, the it, people.
0: No, because if we go back and look at it, it's probably at least 75% of those lists are guys who were also preseason All-Americans.
2: The Pac-12 played like six games. I mean, it's yeah. like well, people didn't even – you couldn't even – you didn't yeah. even have anything to go on. So throw out especially, last year.
1: Especially if it was offensive, offensive linemen. Right, it, which it people
2: are terrible at voting at to begin with. Right. Yes.
1: And I, I don't know that they're all that much better about defensive backs too, because sometimes it might just come down to who had a lot of interceptions regard you know, whether that made any sense mm-hmm. to anybody or anything. So I think you're right that the, the preseason teams do factor a lot. So that's why I wanted to look at this year's preseason teams. Here's what we know so far. I've only seen a handful of results come in. From those lists that I mentioned before, the Sporting News preseason All American team is out. Chris Olave and Haskell Garrett were first team All American a preseason All-American, Garrett Wilson, Thayer Munford, second team. And then on the Walter Camp team, Alave, Garrett, Thayer Munford, all All first-team All-Americans. The pro football focus list is out. Alave, Wilson, Munford, Garrett, and then Tyreek Smith was honorable mention. Those other four were first-team. Athlon, first-team. Alave, Wilson, Garrett, Munford. uh, Zach Harrison, third-team. The Phil Steele book. uh, Alave and Garrett, first-team. Wilson, second-team. Seven Banks, third-team. Is there anybody that you guys think is not getting mentioned right now for Ohio State that should be in the conversation?
2: You mentioned Zach Harrison? He was. He was
1: 13 by Athlon, but that's the only mention he's had from the ones I've seen so far.
2: I mean, I mean it's like I don't know that Zach Harrison should be getting more preseason All-American consideration, but Zach Harrison is somebody that I'm thinking about that could be an All-American because he could have a huge year and people are familiar with pass rushers at Ohio State.
0: And from a who's not getting mentioned, but you completely understand why it's Jeremy record. I mean, he's probably one of the best tight ends in in college football, but we'll never actually know that statistically because he's not going
2: to get the ball more than 20 times. Max. You think he's not going to get the ball more than 20 times this season? You think he's going to have fewer than 20 catches? That's an exaggeration. He will have more than 20 catches, I think. But I don't think he will have the stats to be an All-American. I'll bet you right now that Jeremy Ruckett has more than 20 catches. Ooh, mark it down.
1: Ooh. that should. Be well, let's just look at, his, let's look at his numbers. Let's jump into the conversation. Yeah, that's what i was looking at right now. He hit, like,
2: he hit 14 last year in like six games. He's going to have more than 20 right, catches. But all, he
0: had 14 in a year. with also the only two wide receivers who were getting the ball were Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave.
2: Yeah, I mean, you're – Yeah. Okay. He, had,
0: he also had 14 in 2019, and they played 14 games.
2: Yeah, he was a sophomore.
0: Right. I'm just, I think, I mean, I would believe more that Jackson Smith and the Jigba would get those catches.
2: All right, you're being hyperbolic. You sometimes are trying to make a point. You're like, I mean, Jeremy Ruckert, he's not even going to average half a catch We have game. conversations every seat almost all right, once don't a yell. month talking about don't how tight ends... Yeah, but then you throw out numbers that don't make any sense. So have more than 20 catches. I mean, like, is, be like, say, he's not say, even going to get more than 20 catches. It's like I love more Wait,
0: how does it not make sense to say that Ohio State tight end is not going to have more than 20 catches?
2: All right. That's not hyperbolic I'm done. I'm, I'm done. Can, I'm
1: done. Can, can Ohio State have a – not fun. An, can Ohio State have an All-American tight end?
2: No, probably not. No. Fuck it. Well, oh, I mean, I, it's, it, it, it makes it not fun. You get mad. You, you, sometimes you just come out firing. I'm not getting mad. I'm just saying it's not crazy. You're yelling at me. Tight. You're yelling at me. I yell at everybody. I've been doing this for 16 <laughs> years. I yell at everybody. You don't yell yeah. at me the way I yell at you. That's the way the this podcast that, works, if you're not familiar.
0: The point of it is it's not crazy to say that an Ohio State Titan is not going to have more than 20 catches. That's actually a pretty normal thing to think.
2: All right, move on.
1: I, I think I agree with what Steven's saying, and I agree with Doug that he's wrong. Is that, does that make sense? Can both things be true? Uh, both of these, uh, looking back through these All-American teams that have come out so far, there are one, two, three, four of them have both Alave. No, I'm sorry. Three of them have both Chris Alave and Garrett Wilson as first-team All-Americans. Can Chris Alave and Garrett Wilson both be first-team All-Americans in 2021?
2: It seems hard. I just double-checked. I just keep using Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase in yeah. 2019 as like a, a template a little bit. And like when I looked up All-Americans in 2019, d- like Justin Jefferson, I don't think made any as a first-teamer.
0: It's consistently Jamar Chase and CeeDee Lamb, which yeah. to the point of, uh, um, we're, yeah, we're going to continue to use them as a template. But we also have to remember that there are other good receivers in the country. Um, Oklahoma will probably have somebody pop up. Alabama's got uh, uh, John Mechie back and Justin Ross is also back for Clemson. And so that's, that's a hard thing, even if they both have crazy numbers.
2: It's just, yeah, that, that somebody else is going to be also good. You know, Justin Ross will be good or like, right. Somebody, Marvin Mims or from like, there's, Mm -hmm. there's good players out there. And like Justin Jefferson put up ridiculous numbers alongside Jamar Chase and then like went to the NFL and was like one of the 10 best receivers in the NFL as a rookie. So it was real, right? Like he's, he's a real dude. It's just hard. I think it's hard for voters to go that way. And I think if it coalesces around, man, they have two good receivers, but everybody agrees that Olave's slightly better Then I just think it's harder for the second guy. Now, if it's truly split, cause I don't think that year nobody, I think everybody was like, it's Jamar Chase one, Justin Jefferson two. So if Wilson and Olave are more split and like there are great debates in college football, who's their better receiver? I don't know. It's this guy or this guy and their stats are almost the same. That actually helps the case because there may be teams then where Olave doesn't make a team and Wilson does and other teams where Olave makes it and Wilson doesn't. So if that's the situation, they both can make it. If they like almost share one spot, If it's can they both make teams together on a regular basis, that seems very difficult to me, just kind of given the way how people vote.
1: Yeah, I think they can both get trees, kind of the the, the example that you're putting out there. Uh, I think it's almost – I think even with – even if Justin Fields were quarterbacking this team this year, it would be hard for them both to be first-team All-Americans at the same time on teams, and I think there's almost no chance – Probably with the scenario that we have, looking at Ohio State this year. I want to take a break here, and we're going to come back, and we're going to talk uh, specifically about the defensive side of the ball, and we're kind of going to go through um, a lot of the candidates for Ohio State and what it might take for them to be All-Americans in twenty twenty-one. You're listening to Buckeye Talk. All right, we are back on Buckeye Talk. We are marking down who will be Ohio State's first team All-Americans. Which Ohio State players will get a tree in Buckeye Grove for their 2021 season? And does this defense need an All-American performance? I guess that's a different question than whether it ends up with an All-American, because that kind of happened last year. You had an All-American. I'm not trying to pile on Sean Wade, but he did great things in his career. I just don't think that the postseason recognition he got maybe lived up to the in-season performance. We talked about why that might have happened. But as you look at what this defense returns, what we know about this defense, is it going to take an All-American performance to put this defense where it wants to be in 2021? Steven?
0: Yeah, somebody needs to be an All-American. And specifically, somebody on the defensive line or somebody in the secondary needs to be an All-American because that's the places Ohio State's known for having players play at that level. But also, those are the probably two most important spots on defenses, especially with the scheme they
2: run. So I think that would, that would indicate guys getting home, right? That, that would indicate sack numbers that, you know, if Ohio State's leading pass rusher has seven and a half sacks and they're getting pressure, whatever, we're doing the same thing we did last year. It's like, I, like, I don't, I don't know if that's quite good enough. doesn't mean you have to be Chase Young, but, you probably need somebody, unless it's one of those things where like everybody has eight sacks. It's like Zach Harrison has eight and Tyreek Smith has eight and Tyler Friday has eight and Haskell Garrett has eight and Teron Vincent has eight and Jack Sawyer has eight. It's like, okay, well then none of them are all Americans, but you got what you needed. So, I mean, again, there's a path to it, but I mean, kind of like what we saw again with the, in 2016, with the rotation at at defensive end. Um, But my gut would be, yeah, you kind of would like one of those guys to get the kind of sack numbers that would draw the attention of voters.
1: Yeah, I think it's it's at least they've got to be in contention. It is tough because I was looking back through the numbers. Again, 2019, Chase Young was All-American. 2017, Nick Bosa was, probably could have been again in 2018, had he not gotten hurt. 2015 and 2014, Joey Bosa is All-American. But again, you're talking about the elite of the elite, and it sometimes takes that kind of performance to to break through i mean there's only two guys two edge rushers on each of these teams it's going to be first team all-american it's it's a really high standard and that's that, i don't think the question going into 2021 is whether zach Harrison and tyreek smith are good the question is whether they reach that standard
2: and there's some good dudes out there right
1: oh yeah we've talked about them already, a already spoke- just on yeah there's Ohio already State one schedule.
2: spot
0: spoken for on the probably on the postseason one as well with on Thibodeau. he's probably already penciling his name in there so it's Can Ohio State guy beat off the rest of the country for that one other
1: spot? I think that's an important thing to remember too. It's like 2019. Chase Young was going to be a first team, probably Mm -hmm. unanimous first team All American, and that's what ended up happening. So who's the one other guy that gets to be on a first team All American on all of those other teams?
2: I mean, again, but you don't. Maybe there's six guys who share that second spot on the 12 different teams that matter. So like, can you do enough that? Zach Harrison has 12 and a half sacks and that's enough to get the attention of the voters for the cbssports.com team. And that gets him a tree. But frankly, like on the football writers or on the AFCA, you know, the, co- the football coaches, he's third team, but somebody liked him enough to do first team. That's, that's possible.
1: Besides Harrison and Smith, who on this defense do you think should be considered a contender for all American status as we're going into the season, who do you imagine should be in that conversation?
2: Haskell Garrett as a returning all American.
0: Yeah. And that's it. Yeah.
2: I mean, I, I really don't, again, I, I don't know that we're going to get to our seven banks film breakdown. People are very divided on seven banks. There is definitely a group of people who are like, yeah, this guy is like a potential first round pick. So, Okay. Then like, if that's what you are, and again, the draft stuff, I think influences, and I'm okay with it. I, I'm okay with it. I, the, the draft stuff sort of backwards influences the All-American stuff. It's like, people look at your play and then try to predict how good you will be. And that influences people deciding how good you are right now, which again, is very similar, but not always the same thing. Because if you're doing stuff for an NFL draft, it's like, well, what's his wingspan? And what's his what's his 40 time and all this kind of stuff. How does he play a ball in the air? How does he adapt to different coverage schemes? It's like, okay, that's great. But like, how is he playing football right now? But it clearly has an influence. And if Seven Banks is flashing skills that excite draft analysts, you know, I think that's going to have as much influence as how he actually plays, how many pass breaks up, breakups he has or how many interceptions he has or whether you think he is next in the line of great Ohio State corners
0: that's the thing the last part is is he flashing things or is just the reputation preceding itself and so ohio state is at this point where whoever your best corner in the room gets penciled into these preseason all american list just like with defensive line you're going somebody's going to put down an ohio state edge rusher every single year just given what the reputation is and so if seven banks was playing at you know wisconsin right now with the exact same skill set he has would he be showing up on some of these lists
1: You know, and on the defensive side of the ball, other than Haskell Garrett, as I mentioned, as I read off those teams, there's not a lot of support right now outside for like fringe Ohio State candidates. And that's where I think things like the draft boards that get updated over the course of a season or uh, the pro football focus, I I think, has grown in importance over the years as far as the way that people look at uh, how they assess talent. I think it's given them sort of a new window into that sort of thing. And when you see guys start to rise on draft boards over the course of a year, I think that helps their, their status. So we're, I think it's going to be interesting to watch guys like Harrison and Smith and Banks and what kind of impact they can have over the course of the season. And really also Garrett. I mean, he was like a second-team All-American guy. That's why he's getting this sort of preseason recognition. Does he keep that momentum, I guess, throughout the season? Does he kind of follow that up? Doug, you were involved last year, or maybe in multiple years, with the Pro Football Writers Association and the way they put together their All-American team. Can you kind of give some insight into how that collaboration happened and how you guys came to that consensus?
2: Yeah, the Football Writers Association, not not Pro Football Writers. Not Pro Football, right, right. Yeah. Um, So that group has, I think it's two people who sort of represent each conference, And you are sort of charged with being an expert on that conference and sort of gathering information. Maybe you talk to other beat writers, you know, looking at the stats, sort of figuring out like, well, here are the guys in this conference who are really the candidates at each position. So you can have an informed pool for the discussion. And then I I don't know if I would say that you make your case, but you do a little bit that it's like, well, you know, you're here to represent a conference. So sort of on behalf of the guys in that conference, this is why they're a candidate to be an All-American. And then there are people who are, you know, sort of cover the sport nationally led by the great Phil Steele, who has a very influential voice in in the football writers, uh, All-American discussion because he watches everybody and knows everybody. And you sort of hear all the cases, you have a discussion about it, and then we vote. And we go around, we do it on a, on a conference call and we go around and we vote on, here's who we think the All-American should be. And that is not always like a hard and fast rule, right? I mean, it's like the vote is part of the discussion. It's a lot of, I would imagine like sort of like the, the football committee stuff works and it's like, you have a discussion, then you have a vote. And if the vote, you do the vote. And then like, people are like, man, that vote, are we sure about that vote? And then you talk about it some more Then you might vote again. Right. It does end up as a vote, but Um, you know, I, I talked a lot about like Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson as all American candidates last year. And I will tell you that like Garrett Wilson got really close because, you know, you try to do stuff that goes beyond all the stats a little bit and talk a little bit about, you know, the players, you know, who they are, but it is, it tries to be, um, and we have people who, you know, are experts on the other conferences, right? It's not just the power conferences. So you have those other schools represented, And you want it to be representative. And I think you want it to reflect the reality of what college football was about that year. And we had a lot of discussions about like Trevor Lawrence a year ago. And it's kind of like the tree discussion, but I think you have to do something like this with the understanding that it matters for history. And I know we had a conversation about the idea of like, you know, if you don't make an All-American, if you aren't a first team All-American somewhere, you can't be in the College Football Hall of Fame.
1: We were talking about that the day that we recorded our
2: uh, commercial and we were walking out of Buckeye Grove. Yeah. And that matters to me. And it's like, listen, we're a group of football writers. And part of our job in my mind is, yes, we are reflecting the best players. You want to be an honest discussion and it is, but let's not lose sight of history here. And I was very big on the idea of, listen, do we think Trevor Lawrence should at least be eligible for the college football hall of fame someday? the guy who has been like basically like the dominant force in college football the last three years. If we think that, that should factor into our discussion of who's the first-team All-American quarterback. Because you can make cases for a lot of different guys, but is Mac Jones central to the history of college football as a one-year starter surrounded by ridiculous talent? Or is Trevor Lawrence? And you're aware of the other teams that are out there. So like I, I think that, to me, that would affect – If every team had a Buckeye Grove, that would affect how I do All-Americans. Because I would say, listen, someone's got to put this guy on a team so he can get a freaking tree. And we're one group of the someones. Let's take that into consideration. And if everybody in the world is saying, well, it's this guy, it's this guy, it's this guy, it's like, maybe somebody could say, this guy is just as good. Why don't we pick him so that he can be part of history? I think I do think I take the history part of it very seriously when it comes to stuff like this, which is why, as you let off this thing, Nathan, all the, like, Zeke's not in, right? Wouldn't you like to, wouldn't you, wouldn't that represent Ohio State football history if when you walked in, Ezekiel Elliott's tree was in there? If Braxton Miller's tree was in there? It's like, all right, well, I get it. They were never first team, but man, like, it's a, it's also a tough road of, like, that, it's harder to make it a quarterback and running back than it is to make it on the offensive line. And so, there are some guys in there who are clearly not as good of a players as guys who aren't in or as important to the history of Ohio State football. And I think it's important to reflect that stuff.
0: I actually double-checked that. That's double interesting because when you say they're not first team, it's how they haven't expanded that to just – if you've made a first or second team All-American instead of it just being consensus first team because of those reasons you just named. No, He's it is. without.
2: It's not consensus. The, the Grove is not consensus. The Grove is, did you make any first team? But, like, okay. if you're Justin and you – your best year, Joe Burrow was everybody's first team quarterback. Mm-hmm. Nobody voted Justin Fields ahead of, of Joe Burrow. And then your second year, where you had maybe a couple more hiccups, but you were still great, it's like Mac Jones went nuts, Trevor Lawrence is in there, and you don't ever make it. You don't have to be consensus anything. You just got to make one. So that's why there's a lot of them um, – I mean consensus is a great honor but I do believe in the if I'm going to be part of one and there are things that just making one makes a historical impact that for the good of college football and the good of that player I'll I'll take that into account and okay. I we had a we had a huge discussion around Justin Fields I made a case about let's have we have a wild card spot on the football writers I said why can't why can't a quarterback be on the wild card spot? It's like you do that athlete designation, and it's like yeah. it's like well, if you have, you know, if you have three great running backs, and I like our football writers say we have two running backs on there. No offense in his, no offense in college football currently has two running backs on the field together ever. But yet we still have two first team running backs. Why don't we have two first team quarterbacks? The best players are quarterbacks. We we have three receivers. We have a wild card. I was like, where's the room? I made a case for let's have two first-team quarterbacks because I, I don't mean to say that only discussion about history was only about Trevor Lawrence. Justin Fields probably deserves to be in the College Football Hall of Fame too. You know, he didn't win a national title. He didn't have the same freshman year as Trevor Lawrence, but he's very close. I, I was absolutely making a case in the moment. Let's make a quarterback eligible for the wildcard spot. And people were hesitant about it and, like, they kind of didn't want to jam it in late. But now I would make a case like before the season starts, the Football Writers Association is going to have two first-team quarterbacks. If we have two first team running backs, why can't we have two first team quarterbacks? Or the quarterback is officially eligible for the wild card spot or whatever. Because to me, Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence should be eligible for the College Football Hall of Fame. And and, you know, that that matters. So I think we do have to think about how we think about these things. Or the whole Hall of Fame is just going to be linemen because people are ter- – linemen who get in on their reputation because people are terrible at voting on that stuff.
1: Right. Well, that helps us transition over to offense. Um, there are obviously some some primary candidates this year for Ohio State on offense, and they are linemen, right? I mean, it's – it's uh, other than the receivers, Thayer Munford jumps out to the front, and I think Nicholas petit Frere could be a fringe guy, but he's the kind of guy that's probably going to need some help from – Things like climbing up the draft board, if it becomes uh, like some kind of topic of conversation over the course of the year that like, oh, Ohio State's left tackle is pretty good, but you guys won't believe what this right tackle is doing. Maybe that's somehow he can climb into that conversation. But the the discussion we were having before about two receivers making the first team, uh, it's probably just as hard maybe for both of these offensive linemen to make a first team.
0: Yeah. I, <clears throat> excuse me. I think, I think it's more likely than them getting two this, the offensive line as a whole winning the Joe Moore award than it is if, you know, to get two tackles on there, but to say one of them, they're going to have plenty of opportunities to, to get on there. I mean, between Oregon, Purdue and Michigan, they're playing three of the best defensive ends in the country already. So they're going to have plenty of opportunities on a national stage to you know, show off, Hey, why I'm the best left tackle or the best right tackle. So both have equal opportunities. It's just once you start adding multiple offensive linemen, you know, to, to an all American list, you're almost more likely to just get the offensive lineman award. And then they'll start picking out certain individuals from different schools to be on that all American list.
1: Yeah. Michigan's Aiden Hutchinson might be in that list of guys that they're going to face. And that's and really and every team is going to have, you know, some kind of challenge for them. And I was talking to Thayer Munford about this at big 10 media days. Like, if you already started taking notice of this, he's like, Oh yeah, Minnesota, they got, you know, number four and number such and such and number such and such. And, um, and I'm like, Oh yeah. And which numbers, Boy, I'm off and He's like, oh, he's number whatever. So like, he's already he he's definitely on top of what what is coming after him this year. And I think Stephen, you make a good point that this the, the Big Ten doesn't always give um, uh, maybe Ohio State's receivers a chance to to prove themselves in the same way. Mm-hmm. But I think this this schedule will give. Thayer Mumford in particular, and probably also Nicholas Peeferrer, maybe this, maybe other guys on this offensive line, a chance to prove that they that deserve some kind of national recognition.
2: Early season, the preseason stuff is, preseason stuff is really coalesced around Thayer Mumford, that he's yep. a preseason first team All-American for Phil Steele. PFF loves Thayer Mumford. They have him as the number one tackle, like that stuff. Again, what Steven said earlier, it's like the preseason stuff, especially for certain positions, really matters. And that's much more on Thayer Munford than it is on Nicholas Petit Frere. Even though Phil Steele in his like draft in terms of draft prospects for tackles, he has Munford two and Petit Frere three. Like they're that close. But he doesn't have Petit Frere even on on his second, third or fourth team for preseason All american which I am not saying that's wrong. I think I think that's probably right. But I uh, one of the more one of the more interesting things to me this preseason is the the great amount of respect Thayer Munford has gotten nationally which i maybe would not have expected but i think he put it on film last year and as we just said he's going to have great opportunities i mean again rashawn slater rashawn slater from northwestern who didn't play last year but like build his every highlight that rashawn slater has ever had is the couple times he blocked chase young so like that stuff really matters in these matchups and they'll get it
1: yeah, it was interesting talking to Thayer Munford. So I had I'd had sort of a one-on-one conversation with him for a while before everything broke out. And then just at his podium, he was later asked, he has more of a chip on his shoulder than maybe I realized before. Um, he was asked by somebody else on our beat, um, and I'm forgetting who it was now, but just asked about, well, when you reflect on how far you've come, and he kind of had an answer about like, you know, you know, it's it's nice, but, like, I think about, like, where was everybody when I was, you know, struggling and I was, you know, I wasn't considered a big-time college prospect and I was kind of forgotten. And, like, it, it was interesting how much that is sort of maybe still fueling him now, how he's sort of taken where he is now, where he's kind of reaching the apex. Like you said, like, he's, he's a multiple-team preseason All-American, uh, first-team preseason All-American that, that's going to put him in position to be there at the end of the year. And yet he's kind of taking the recognition and spinning it in, in, like in, in uh, revisionist history a little bit to motivate him even more as to, to, to not to not settle for that. I think that's probably a good sign for him and a good sign for Ohio State both. Um, who else do we, I mean, we've talked about, so both receivers, we've talked about defense, we've talked about the offensive lineman, we've talked about Jeremy Ruckert. Is there anyone else that we need to talk about as just being even like a fringe candidate for this right now.
0: I mean, Ohio State's starting quarterback is always a Heisman Trophy candidate, always a candidate to be an All-American. So if you just want to, just for the sake of saying it, this Ohio State starting quarterback should be considered here. So C.J. Stroud or Kyle McCord, even if the conversation on it right now is short, we you know they have to be mentioned.
2: Yeah, I don't think that's going to happen. But I think the, uh, what, what Stephen brought up before the show about Paris Johnson, I think, makes a lot of sense, Stephen. Why don't you talk about that? Because that, there's, there's historical markers for that. And that's where being a five-star recruit, I think, does impact your ability to get the attention of voters.
0: Yeah, I brought it up. I mean, he's playing right guard this year instead of tackle, which he would have been the starting left tackle right there, Mumford going on to the NFL. But the point of the matter is this is a five-star in year two who might be generational. And Wyatt Davis, as a first-year starter, I understand that was year three for him and not year two. But the point of the matter is a five-star offensive lineman, his first year as a, as a starter on the line, went on to be an All-American that year. And if the ex- the expectations for Paris, you know, those trump what Wyatt Davis's expectations were coming into here. I mean – you know, Josh Meyer said it when we talked to him before, what was that before the Clemson game? He said, basically said, if, I'd be shocked if Paris Johnson left out of here without winning an Outland Award. And so, I mean, the expectation for it is there, even if it's not on the national stage yet, because he's basically only got one game of film and it's only, what, like 14 snaps in that Clemson game. But that's how we should be viewing it. If, if he's a starter on this offensive line with the expectations and the hype around him, it's not crazy to think as a first year starter, he's an All-American level.
1: I think you make a good point to bring him up to be in this conversation. I, I would say there is a huge difference to me between that second and third year thing that you're mentioning that even though it's his first year as a starter, being in your second year of college, your third year of college. And let's not forget he is making a position switch, even though he did play some guard last year, it's a little bit different than what why Davis did. However, I think it's going to be really interesting to see, and this is kind of one of the things that we can sort of measure. I don't think he has to become an All-American, but if he puts himself in that conversation as a second-year guy making a position switch, I think that sort of speaks to how advanced he might be if he starts to do some things that are ahead of what even someone has accomplished as Wyatt Davis was doing.
2: I don't think it matters that he's a second-year guy versus a third-year guy. I don't I don't think voters think about that at all. I, I think he will have highlight plays, though, which I think is going to matter. He's not just going to – it's like, oh, what's the – he's going to have plays. He had the one last year, right? Like he's going to have plays where he takes a yeah. guy and rides him 12 yards downfield and buries him in the ground, and they're going to play it on ESPN, yep. right? They're going to play – they're going to do Bob Stoops, you know – if, if Paris Johnson comes out against Minnesota and is killing people like before the Oregon game and the pregame show on Fox, Bob Stoops is going to have a breakdown on Paris Johnson and watch this young player. He's electric. Watch the way he buries guys. I think Paris is like that, right? He is a bury you kind of offensive lineman. And if you're just like a technician Right, if you're, you know, people love the stuff where I always get confused by this. It. like people seem to do the highlights of, look at this offensive lineman looking for work, and here comes a defensive end who doesn't even know that offensive lineman's there, and the offensive lineman, like, blocks him into the stand. It's like, you blocked a guy who didn't even you know he was getting blocked. But, like, he's going to do those things. He's going to have high, as much of a highlight reel as a guard can have. And then you add in five-star you add in his personality, right? I mean, like Tom Rinaldi's going to be on, you know, whatever. I don't even know what network Tom Rinaldi's on. You know, Thayer Munford's coming for our jobs. Here we go. They're going to be walking around. Thayer Munford with a little notebook in hand, being a sports writer. Like, he is a he is a very personable guy who then will destroy you on the field. And so I, I think that kind of candidacy is very real. And then somebody's going to come on and say, you know, they'll have Tim May on and say, hey, he's, you know, he's a – He's the best lineman I've seen since Orlando. And, like, then everyone's going to be – and all of a sudden, like, it's off and running. And, like, by week seven, Paris Johnson might be, like, one of the 20 most famous people in college football. Like, that – like, because people are terrible, I think, about offensive line stuff, us included, Hmm. until you have something to latch on to. And the the thing that you can latch on to is, well, I saw that (laughs) he blocked a guy. He took – the, the defensive tackle and rode him into the safety, 13 yards downfield. That I saw. That I can analyze. And I think Paris Johnson might be that kind of guard.
0: You know a guy is really good when he's not the thing you went into that, that snap watching, and all of a sudden he just completely changes the thing that you're supposed to be watching, which is what he did in the Clemson game. I wasn't even trying to watch Paris Johnson on that snap. I just happened to see, who is? Is that Paris? Oh, hello there. <laughs> Number one tackle in the country.
1: Yeah, I think he will do things that people cannot ignore. Um, it's just a matter of, you know, how how consistently does he do them? And, and like you say, Doug, like how, how quickly does that momentum start to build for him? The only other player I brought up on offense, I threw out a, a poll to our tech subscribers, 614-350-3315, right before we started. So it's going to be like one of the most real-time polls that we've done. The only other guy that I threw on there by name, because I just mentioned, I did put on there the starting quarterback, since we don't know for sure who that's going to be. I also put Trevion Henderson. It's hard for me to fathom exactly what that season would look like for him to win that award as a freshman. But I think you've got to always kind of throw the Ohio State running back who might have his kind of ceiling into a conversation like this.
0: I think he'll probably be on the all-freshman the all All-American team, but it's going to be hard for him to make, especially if he doesn't completely take over the job until week three or four.
2: It's one of those things. If he has a year like J.K. Dobbins had as a freshman, like he he might be in the mix. I I'm trying to think. I don't who were the best. I mean, I guess Brees Hall from Iowa State, mm-hmm. right? Um, a couple guys at Georgia. Was it Brian Robinson at Alabama? Like, there's some guys, right? I mean, there's some guys, but I don't know that there is a. I don't know that there's and a. Run- Energy
0: Harris this year. Yeah, those don't. Make-
2: who's coming in with like the preseason hype, right? Like that probably it's the guy from Iowa state, but like if, the, you know, and, and the thing that I think we do forget is, I mean, you, you look at how the play, the play breakdown of the Ohio state offense, they run the ball a lot. There are opportunities. And if he's the guy and he's getting 20 carries a game and like their offense is really good. And Olave and Wilson are kind of splitting stuff, and the quarterback is good but not great. And like Travion Robinson, like the idea of like man, he is just spectacular with a great offensive line in front of him. I don't think it's impossible. I would. I'm not going to pick it. I don't think it's impossible. Bijan Robinson, no, it's not. Yeah, it's Bijan Robinson
0: true. and Brees Hall. Those yeah. are the leaders. And yep. Bijan might end up winning the Heisman, but as much as they're going to give him the ball this
1: year. And like someone like Muhammad Ibrahim is more known as a big 10 quantity than Anderson. Although I don't think his, again, his ceiling is anywhere near that high. It's interesting looking back at Ohio state history though. I mean, Dobbins was an all American in 2019. Um, Doug, when Curtis Samuel made it in 2016, would he been listed as a running back?
2: I mean, I think Ohio state has him listed. Yeah. I think, I think he was, I mean, he was everything. I don't know. He really wasn't the running back. It's like Mike Weber was the running back except in important games. Then Curtis Samuel was the running back. So I don't know where he made it. He probably made it in a lot of those like athlete spots because he was their best receiver and their best running back at the same time for a playoff team. He's probably more receiver. He's probably more slot than, than running back.
1: But I'm looking at this Ohio state list and I can't tell if this is, if it's, if it's everybody who made one in these years or if it's just the consensus guys, um cuz i cuz like the the ones i had for 2019 were all consensus guys i think i can't remember if dobbins was or not but not a lot of like first team all american running backs for ohio state historically it doesn't seem like at least not in the past,
2: in, in in recent history i mean it's hard to make it yeah i mean like it's it's especially like if there's one guy look at the receivers oh there's yeah like there's no receivers, receivers. Yeah. i mean like the idea of like oh an ohio state receiver is going to be it's like that hasn't been now this is the ryan day era and this is a new a new way that Ohio state is running offense, but I don't think they've had a first team all American, like at receiver since David Boston,
1: uh, Ted yeah, so David, on that
2: list as a punt returner, uh, but
1: right. I was just about to say Boston, Boston and, and Ginn. Boston was 98. Ginn was 2006. But like you say, I mean, his, 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 that was in large part because of his special teams prowess. And, and I mean, it's listed no as a
2: punt it. returner in Ohio. It's, I mean, like, okay. I think that's what it says on Ohio state's thing. It says PR it doesn't say okay. WR. So, yeah. Gotcha. I, I, it's, it's hard to, I mean, history matters, but Ohio state is also playing football a different way. There was a time when no matter how good a skill player was at Ohio state, you were sort of fighting the spread offense revolution that Ohio state wasn't really a part of. And statistically you just didn't match up. And if you were getting voters who were just leaning on, well, I don't know, this guy has 1800 receiving yards and Ohio state's best guy has 1100. I don't know. And it's like, okay. I mean, like I, I'm, that makes sense, but statistically the Ohio state receivers now have a chance to stack up with anybody. Mm
1: -hmm. We're going to come back from break and we are going to mark it down. Which Ohio state players will be all Americans in 2021. You're listening to Buckeye talk. We're back on Buckeye talk. We are marking it down. Which Ohio state players will get a tree in Buckeye Grove for being all Americans in 2021. And I will go first. And I'm going to take I had I'm going with three guys. I think they I think they're gonna have three. And I'm basing it, I guess, mostly on the, the preseason push that these guys are getting, I think will hold up enough to get them each on one team, at least. And in one case, it's gonna be definitely more than one team. But I'm gonna take Chris Olave, I'm gonna take Thayer Munford, and I'm gonna take Haskell Garrett. For Olave over Wilson, I think that's the interesting conversation to have. Um, maybe we should all just say who we're going to pick and then we can kind of break down the different battles. But, uh, Steven, who did you have as your all Americans?
0: I had three as well. Um, Munford, I'm going to buy into the Zach Harrison thing that's going on. Um, I just, they talked about him all off season. I'll, I'll buy into that Zach Harrison. And then I went Chris Olave. I think he might just edge out Garrett Wilson enough and he'll be the guy. Doug, who did you pick?
2: I will go with four, and I'll agree with Stephen. Thayer Munford, Zach Harrison, like, making, like, one team. Maybe, like, Mm -hmm. again, like, 12 and a half sacks. Might actually be, like, the sixth best edge rusher, but if Ohio State's in the playoff, and he's really good. He is really good. Somebody puts him on. He gets a tree. Um, Chris Olave, and while I believe that Chris Olave – Will have the the better statistical season and and probably will be will be whatever Ohio State's best receiver whatever that means. I think Garrett Wilson will be close enough that he will give somebody the opportunity to say, "Man, I like that guy." Right? That at least one team will say, "You know what? I even though Olave has more yards, I actually think Wilson is the this the that whatever." And so he might – there might be a team where Garrett Wilson sort of like takes Chris Olave's spot or they both are the guys. I I do think maybe Olave will be uh, overwhelming All-American, maybe not even consensus, but make multiple teams, and maybe Garrett Wilson will make one and get a tree. So I'll say those four guys. And then I will not say Garrett because I think the defensive ends for Ohio State are going to be more impactful statistically. and. It's not that Haskell Garrett will be worse, but I think he will stand out less because yeah. Zach Harrison and Tyreek Smith and Jack Sawyer will do more. And so then maybe he just – he already has his tree, so maybe he'll just be more like a All-Big Ten guy but not a first-team All-American guy this year.
1: I think I – we'll talk about all these guys, but since you just brought up Haskell Garrett, I think the way I looked at it was sort of the way you're talking about Garrett Wilson a little bit, which is – he doesn't have to be the best defensive tackle in the country, but when you're kind of consistently being picked as a preseason All-American and then you go out and have a strong season, solid season for a team that makes the playoff. I think that puts you in prime position to just make one team yeah, like to just get to just sneak through. Um, I don't mean that to sound dismissively. I'm just saying that's just the, the realities of yeah. voting. I think that puts you in a good position to do that. And I think there's reason to believe that, considering everything he went through at the start of last year, that he could be better at the, to start this year. There's also reason to believe that not playing next to Tommy Togiai might limit a little bit how good he could be this year. That's one of the, the question marks for this team going into the season. The Olave-Wilson conversation, so much. It, it's un, it, It's it's unfortunate how much – preseason hype can sometimes play into the postseason awards I think that'll be less this year than it was last year I think you guys are right that that COVID played into how some of that voting went however I think right now I it feels like nationally the the conversation is Ohio State does have two good receivers but Olave might be the best receiver in the country it feels like there's more of that conversation around him than there is around Garrett Wilson and I wonder how much that conversation regardless of how this season plays out, helps determine who is higher on people's All-American lists at the end of the year.
2: Yeah, I think it's huge. Mm -hmm. And I think we all agree, like, we just see for whatever reason. And, I mean, and the reason is that Olave was better in the second half of the year. I mean, it's not, like, made up. It's not pixie dust. It's not undeserved. But Olave showed out more in the bigger games at the end and I think Olave, Olave got attention by staying. Garrett Wilson didn't have a choice. Everybody knew Garrett Wilson right. was going to be here. The idea that, like, hey, Chris Olave could have been a first-round receiver and he stayed at Ohio State, that's in people's minds, too, which gives you sort of a perception edge over somebody who is just going into his third year in college and didn't have a decision to make. So I think that has fueled some of this Chris Olave stuff, too. Deservedly. Deservedly. It's like, man, that guy – that guy should be making millions of dollars and he chose not to do that yet, man, that feels like an all-American to me is not, is not unreasonable.
0: Also. Yeah. Chris is just more of a household name because the story that's around him right now, while Garrett's another five-star, who's just doing five-star things right now.
1: Plus Chris Olave is just a cool name. Olave. I don't know. I think those things help. Uh, Zach Harris. I think you guys are smart to include him in this conversation. I didn't get there partially because of what we talked about before, about it seems like Kayvon Thibodeau has one spot locked down, so then that only opens up one spot, and is Zach Harrison going to put himself in position to be thought of as one of the two best edge rushers in the country? That's still a bit of a jump for me, and I'm curious why you guys put Zach Harrison there and not Tyreek Smith.
0: Because coaches have said Zach Harrison's name every single time we've talked to them, and they've said Ty- Tyree Smith's name only when the question "Who are some guys who have been flashing this spring?" has come up. They've gone out of their way to talk about Zach Harrison. We've talked to him maybe more than any other player <laughs> this this off season between getting him, you know, back in the spring a couple of times, getting him after the spring game, and now getting him at Big Ten media days. The, and then his progression from a personality standpoint, all this is they've gone out of their way to make sure that we all know that Zach Harrison's going to be pretty freaking good this year and they don't have to do that.
1: Yep. They've also gone out of the way to tell Zach Harrison that they think he's going to be pretty good this year. So, and I'm, I'm yeah. always I'm not dismissing it. I'm just saying that, like, sometimes there's a chicken before the egg kind of conversation that has to happen there. Like, how much are they hyping him to us because it's legit and how much are they hyping him to him? to get the best out of him. But I think either way, I think he is poised for a pretty good season.
2: No, I think they, I mean, they definitely do that sometimes. I don't mm-hmm. know that they do that with five stars. I don't get, I don't get suspicious when it's a five-star recruit no. who has the skills that Zach Harrison has, who has been good. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, sometimes they do that with guys who are like, well, that feels like you're using us for motivation. This guy is, it has all the tools and has been good, but not great. So like I buy what they're saying.
1: I think this is also an interesting group of candidates in it. You've got Harrison and Wilson who, from the time that they were recruited, it was like, well, if this guy doesn't end up as an all American, something maybe went wrong. And then other guys like Olave Munford, and I guess you throw Garrett in this conversation too, who were you know farther down the lists and kind of speak to a program's ability to develop guys and also just their ability to like um, summon something and, and, and separate in a way that not everybody can.
2: It's what Ohio state does, right? I mean, that's, that's how you win titles is you develop the five stars into great players. And you also develop some of the guys who weren't five stars into great players. And I do think that they've been, they've been pretty good at both. And it's one of those things, again, when we have a conversation like this, we are not just talking about skill. We are not just talking about stats. We are talking about voting, which is practically perception more than anything else. So Garrett Wilson has, like, lived up, right? Whatever you wanted Garrett Wilson to be as a five-star receiver out of Texas, he has done it. I don't know if he's going to get a tree, but that is not the determining factor of, like, oh, did Garrett Wilson live up to the hype? So, again, voters, voters are voters, and I'm a voter. I'm like, I, 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 it's hard. It's hard to do this stuff. So um, I just think that But that as long as they are in a national title race, and that's the thing too, if they do come out, I mean, if they lose to Oregon and they lose to Penn State, right, and they have two losses early, it's going to hurt all these because these guys are not going to be in the conversation as much. A, a lot of the stuff that uh, you center this conversation around Ohio State is because in the playoff era, they've been in the playoff conversation like every week of the playoff discussion. And when you're in the playoff discussion, that means your team's getting talked about. That means your players are getting shown on highlight reels. That means that you matter. And if your team matters, that is a great way to be an individual All-American.
1: So I'm looking at our text poll, and the numbers came in a little screwed up because we did them. Uh, we used a different kind of poll than we ever had before. But I will say that Chris Olave was the number one choice from our texters to be a first-team All-American in 2021. Haskell Garrett's second. Thayer Munford third, Garrett Wilson fourth, and Zach Harrison fifth, and those were the easily the five most popular guys picked. So that lined up with what we said. Nicholas Petit Frere was the next guy up. There' a little bit of separation between him and and Harrison, but pretty much exactly as we would have expected it to go. I think people are right. I think. I mean, I think that lines up with what we were saying, and it lines up also with what the preseason expectations are saying.
2: I do think the smart. If you were betting on this, I would bet on the what Steven said about Paris Johnson, and take those odds of like whatever his odds are to be a first team all American. The only reason that you wouldn't think it is because he's never played before, but like that doesn't really stop guys, so i think um I think that case of how good of a player you think he's going to be and will people notice, I think both those things are very possible, and so I understand why Paris Johnson is below. Some people on this list, but I think you. I think, I think you. It's a reminder for people to make sure um, to be thinking that way because I've gotten if I've 16 years of this, it's going into the 17th year. I still get caught in this sometimes. Of well, they've never done it, and it's like the history of Ohio State is filled. It's practically the defining principle of a place like Ohio State is guys who have never done it do it. Like the first time they get a chance to do it, they do it, and it's like okay. So he's getting his chance to do it, and he'll probably do it. So then he really, really might be an All-American, and by the end he might be their second-best All-American candidate because it's like, well, there's a guy over here who catches everything, and then there's this guy on the offensive line who destroys everybody. It's like, okay, I'm voting for the two of them, and I I just think that's very much in play.
1: I think that's going to be a fun thing to watch play out. That is Market Down Monday. Come back tomorrow. We're going to have another full week of podcasts here on Buckeye Talk. Doug, did you have something, to
2: add? So, so I think uh, again, planning the podcast on the podcast. We're recording this Monday morning because we're for the Monday podcast, which isn't what we normally do. But we had a long week in Indianapolis, and we got a pot up on Saturday, so we're going to record the Tuesday podcast in a couple hours here on Monday. And the news just came out that Texas and Texas and Oklahoma have like officially told the uh, big 12 where we're not renewing our, our, you know, conference status after 2025, it is like the thing that people are talking about. And the texter said, you should do a poll on should Ohio state join the sec. And that I think is probably worth talking about to talk out what something like that would mean, because there's a, Crazy tweet by somebody that, again, it gets retweeted into my timeline. And I wonder, and I say, like, real people retweet this stuff. And it's like, why are you retweeting this? So people like, and then we get texted, like, I heard rumors. It's like, there's one tweet. There's one tweet from somebody who you have no reason to believe. And that it was like, oh, I, I heard the idea that the SEC is going to go after Clemson, Florida State, Ohio State, Michigan, and make a 20-team SEC. And it's like, I don't want to talk about that in actuality because I have 100 reasons why that would never happen from an Ohio State perspective. But I would like to talk about it from a fan standpoint of what would you think of that? Not that specific plan. But if the SEC did say, Ohio State, do you want to join us? Would you want Ohio State to do it? Would you want Ohio State to join the SEC? And everything that would mean. And that I think is worth having a podcast about. And I think we'll get interesting answers from texters. And I think we can just, I think we have to talk that out as much as this, all this stuff is, I've made my point clear on this. I, I, I don't, this is a lot of mumbo jumbo and I am skeptical about a lot of the things that people are floating as well. then it means this, 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 and this. And I'm like, are we sure it means that? I think we should talk about it. And so I think the Tuesday podcast should be should Ohio State join the SEC with a lot of text or reaction in there, if you guys are cool with that. I'm cool with it.
0: Yeah.
2: And then I have another thing that I am boiling with rage about. Um, and I will save it for the Tuesday podcast. That's is a good it, tease.
1: Football-related or nonsense-related? Is this just yeah. like you uh, – Something involving takeout? Is it something
2: involving? We haven't no. done any nonsense in a while. So I would before not you. describe it as nonsense. Okay. It is it's related to another podcast review. And I got mad about one before that was about like complaining and just about like us doing our job on the podcast. This is a, a a podcast review that is not about really like us on the podcast. It is a little bit, but it's kind of about like America. And <laughs> I just read it. <laughs> like, it's actually not funny at all. And it, it's, it's really, really disappointing. Um, it's really, really disappointing. And we need to talk about it. And I'm, I'm really angry about it. And it's not political. It's about being a human. And uh, we will talk about it on the Tuesday podcast because I, I don't want to squeeze it in here, but it needs to be talked about because it needs to be talked about the kind of people who are in our audience and the kind of people that we interact with every day and um i'm really upset about it so we'll do that on a tuesday pod all right sounds
1: good something to look forward to we will see you then until then i'm nathan baird he's doug Maurice and steven means and that was buckeye talk